Okay, at this time, we're blessed to have our first message for today, brought to us by Curtis Whiteley, and the message is entitled, The Food Which Endures. We good? All right, there we are. There we go. Good afternoon. It's wonderful to see everyone here on this uh, special high day, as they all are special, but the Day of Atonement. Welcome uh, to God's Day of Atonement. And as we all know, the, what we do on this day is something that is uh, unique, uh, especially when you talk to people about it, uh, something that the Bible, the 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 scriptures tells us that we do, we are to afflict our souls. And we understand that from the scriptures to mean going without food or drink, as God commands us in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, on this day of atonement. And so this is a rich day. They're all rich, but this one in particular, this day is very rich in meaning because we can read the ceremony that took place on the day of atonement in the Old Testament, the two goats, the one goat that's led astray, the other goat, all of the sins placed upon that goat. And we can look at that, and we can look at all the meaning, and we can sometimes even maybe disagree on some of that. But we all would agree in the end what the future holds, what God's plan is, regardless of if we understand 100% accurately the application or the meaning and the symbols and things like that. But oftentimes on this day, and as a kid growing up, I knew this day as the day we just didn't eat or drink. That, I mean, that's, that's what, you know, the, the big, you know, the, the unique thing about this day is it's something that we don't do on any of the other holy days. Now, of course, fasting is something that's a, that's a spiritual principle, uh, uh, something that the Bible talks about. It's not just something that you can only do on the Day of Atonement, of course. But we do know that it is an annual day where we all know that we are all to come together and we're commanded for 24 hours from sunset to sunset to go without food or drink, to fast. And it's interesting because there's so many things that we can get from this, whether we read the scriptures and the different symbols with the two goats, or if we just think about the practical, physical things that happen in our bodies and the way we start to feel, the physiological effects that take place when you don't eat or drink for an extended period of time. You know, we can think about the principle of how quickly we learn how dependent we are in life for sustenance. That God created our bodies intended to, to eat a certain caloric value or level to be able to maintain as humans, at, at living to be able to continue living. And of course, that makes us understand how quickly we can become weak without this sustenance. How finite we as human beings are. How finite our, lives, our life is. But something else that we can think about in this is not just us and our physical bodies. But it teaches us how finite, not just how our us physically we are, but how finite, how limited even the food and the drink that we take in is. 
I remember when I was really young, uh, and this day came, and I can't remember exactly what age it was whenever I was, first time I fasted on this day, uh, but I do remember in years past that I would always, you know, you just, you cram it in, right, the day before, you're thinking, man, it's 7 o'clock, 6.45, whatever it is, I got to get to drinking water, I got to get, make sure I got enough food in me, because for the next 24 hours, I'm not going to be doing either one, and I got to set myself up right. Maybe you've been there, maybe, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that per se and being smart and understanding that, you know, we have to be mindful of what we're going to be doing and the things that we're going to be doing in the next 24 hours. But no matter how much food you eat the day before, how much drink, you know, how much water you drink or anything like that, it's limited. The food is just as finite as you and me. Our body processes it, burns it, and we're thirsty again. We're hungry again. No amount of food can we eat or no amount of drink can we drink to be able to fill ourselves up to the point where we're never thirsty or never hungry again. And so in thinking about this and thinking about this, that concept, I know that this is the Day of Atonement. There's so many things we can get into. This is just a quick little sermonette. We're not going to talk about the two goats in this message. Maybe we'll hear about that a little bit later. We're not going to talk about, per se, the meaning of atonement exhaustively. But there's one little nugget I want to kind of bring it to us today that I found here in John, the sixth chapter. We're going to turn there. And we oftentimes will read this passage or these string of passages a lot of times on the, the, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Because it talks about the bread from heaven, and we know the meaning of the days of unleavened bread, and the bread from heaven, the manna that God provided to the Israelites, and the metaphor that it can mean for us as New Testament Christians. But I just want to give us some context. We're going to pick it up in verse 25, but just, just before we do that, I want to give us a little context of what was happening. You see, Jesus had just in the previous hours fed approximately 5,000 people from a measly five loaves of bread and two fish on the northwest or northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the scripture says 5,000. Some people argue that it was actually more, but they were just, there was only 5,000 men. That they didn't, they don't number the, the women and children, but when they go to number, when they go to take a, a census, so to speak, in, in instances like this, they're just talking about the men. So some argue that there's actually more than 5,000 people here. And so the people, they were amazed at what Jesus did. He takes these small amount of loaves of bread, a couple fishes, and he feeds all the people here in this story. And so the people were so amazed that they wanted to make Jesus king. They said, surely this is the prophet. This is the prophet that we've read about. This is the prophet that we've been looking for. He must be king. And of course, Jesus, as we read throughout the scriptures, many times people want to prematurely crown him king or do things to make him more famous, and Jesus will slip away. And understandably, we can look at that, why he did that. It wasn't his time. And his mission here on earth in this first coming was not to become king. It wasn't. That's for the future. And so as he feeds these people, he's on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee, and early in the morning, or when night came, 
him and his disciples, his disciples go out on, on boat, go to Capernaum, which is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee as well, but on the west side. In the story, Jesus actually walks on water to get there, and the disciples, they take a boat. But when the people who had experienced the miracle that Jesus had performed in feeding the 5,000, when they learned and woke up and they saw that Jesus wasn't there and they were looking around, they decided they were going to go to Capernaum themselves to seek Jesus. They wanted, to, they wanted to see more of this individual. And that's what the scriptures say, that other individuals also came from other parts of the Sea of Galilee to that northeast side. When they realized he wasn't there, they started to go to Capernaum because they knew that Jesus, it was kind of like a home base of where he would do a lot of his preaching. So they went there seeking Jesus, as the scriptures say. And in verse 25, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? When did you come here? And I want us to notice the next verse because the next verse is an interesting reply that Jesus gives these individuals that were looking for him. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for which or for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. That's an interesting reply. Because in some ways, Jesus is, I'm not saying he's condemning these individuals, but he's pointing out that their intentions for seeking Jesus out wasn't complete. That they were maybe a little bit misfocused. Jesus was pointing out how much they focused on the physical necessities of life. Now, of course, in this instance, Jesus was specifically talking about bread or food, which is, we know, and we know maybe a little bit better now at 1 o'clock today than we did yesterday at 7, that food is essential to keep us running as we are physical beings. We're creatures that God has created that has to have food and drink. But this is not only physical... The, Physical things are not the only thing, or food is not the only physical things that people get caught up in. You see, we can look at this and we can see about how these individuals were focusing on Jesus. And Jesus seems to reply that, really, you're only seeking me because you ate the bread, you ate the food that I provided you, and you were full. But we can also apply this in other things in life. Materialism, money, cars, Houses, notoriety, careers, club, membership, political affiliations, fame, all of which do the same thing. It makes people feel satisfied. It makes them feel full. It makes them feel like maybe they're in control. Self-confidence. Just like the bread, these things have a finite nature to them. They don't last. We can't take it with us. If we were to continue on reading verse 28, I just want to read this little last part. Then we'll get into, just quickly, a couple points that we can get out of this story. This short little story. It's actually a story within a story. Verse 28 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do, that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then? that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? 
Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread, bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Again, we're talking about both spiritual and physical. Jesus is talking to these individuals, and they're pointing out that situation in the, in the, in the wilderness where for 40 years God provided them bread from heaven, right? The manna. And that's what sustained them through this 40-year journey in the wilderness. But here, we see it being used as a metaphor of the bread from heaven that endures, the bread that is Jesus. And so as we get into this day and we look at this story and we think about the feelings that we might be having physiologically, I want us to think about how easy it is as humans, and it's only natural to some extent, that we sometimes get wrapped up in this life focused on the physical necessities of life, the things that we need to be able to survive. And we forget about the spiritual things that we need to grow and become that creature that God is creating in us. You see, one of the problems with the people, it seems, is their pure focus on Jesus for just being a physical provider and protector. And that's what they were looking for. That's what they had always been brought up thinking about in the Messiah that was to come. The Messiah to come to bring back the glory days of Israel. To reestablish the kingdom on earth. Not the way that me and you think of it per se. You know, the millennial reign, Jesus coming from heaven, the crucified Savior that was brought up from the grave after three days and three nights. But just a physical king that would drive out the Romans and bring back glory to Israel. Bring back that land of milk and honey. And Jesus seems to be telling them that that desire is not complete. That desire is not complete. Of course, we should rely on God for all things. We should rely on God for our physical needs as well as our spiritual needs. But it seems right here that the Israelites that Jesus was talking to, these individuals, whether most of them be Jews, maybe a few Gentiles in there, we don't completely know. Most of them probably were Jewish. And they knew the scriptures, and they had read the scriptures, and they knew the stories about Israel. And Jesus wants them to understand something, that most of this human life, so many people are wrapped up and just focusing on temporary things. We have to work to eat. The scriptures tells us that. This, this is not a, a Jesus saying that you shouldn't focus on the, the physical necessities of life. It's rather Jesus saying that's all you're focused on. There's a greater picture. And that is not complete because you're not focused on yourself. You're not focused on the change that's supposed to be coming upon you. Which comes as a result of, of us partaking of that eternal bread from heaven. That belief in Jesus. That taking up our cross daily and walking with Jesus. And focusing on transforming ourselves as Jesus is transforming us into that new creature that Jesus is creating in us. 
So on this day, as we start to feel the physical effects of fasting, we should all think about the food and drink that endures, that is found in Jesus alone. Do we feel the same effects when we go on a spiritual fast as much as we do the effects of physical fasting? Of course, what I mean by that is, are we as sensitive to spiritual malnourishment? Are we as sensitive to spiritual malnourishment as we are to physical malnourishment? This is a wonderful day. It's a beautiful day. It has implications for the entire world. Of course, all God's holy days does, but this day in particular is a day where Christ makes atonement for all of us. And the things that he does doesn't just affect the people in God's church today, but it affects this entire world. This entire world. We know what's at the end of this day. And what I mean by that is not tonight at 7 o'clock when we get to eat, but I mean whenever the next day comes around in just a few days when the Feast of Tabernacles begins. We understand that there's a greater picture here. There's a picture of hope that this world so desperately needs with a true king that will come and will physically remove all other kingdoms from this earth and bring in righteousness. But it won't be just something that's pure physical. It's a kingdom that's physical, but it's also focused on the spiritual. Because we know that we have to be transformed from within. And that's what Christ is wanting us to understand. To be sensitive to the spiritual nourishment that we need to continue to grow. And so, as we go about this day... Just something else to little think about. Maybe a little bit different aspect or element, different principle that we can think about on this Day of Atonement. Let's think about that spiritual manna, that spiritual food and drink that we need. You know, there was another story that Jesus talks about or that is in the Bible here in the book of John with a Samaritan woman and Jesus comes to the well, right? And he says, you know, give me a drink. And she says, well, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We don't really mingle. And Jesus basically tells this woman that if he asked that woman for a drink, he could give that woman spiritual waters, which she would never be thirsty from again. That's what Jesus offers us. So as we go out this, throughout this day, and we think about the physical effects that's happening in our bodies, let's also think about how important it is to be spiritually nourished. As we afflict our souls and we, we think about that, let us understand that that is one of the most important things in our life. We have to focus on the physical, of course, but too often we overfocus on it and we neglect the, the spiritual. So as we go out th throughout this day, let us think upon those things.